Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorigination.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton. Get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it. Subscribe wherever you found it, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. We are everywhere where podcasts are found. Another cool opportunity, our podcast server, Podient, is offering all of our listeners a free 14-day trial of their premium services and 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. And all you got to do is sign up using the offer code LONGHORN. Now, Kyle and I love Podient. It's a really easy platform to use. All you do, record and edit your stuff, you upload it, and then they send it out to all of the servers. They give you really cool analytics. You can see exactly where people are downloading from. They've got some really cool stuff going on. But again, all of our listeners have the opportunity to get their first 14 days for free and then get 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. So all you got to do is go to Podient, that's P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O and sign up using the offer code Longhorn. If you've ever wanted to start a podcast, Podient is the way to go. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week like I am every week and I'm joined by my good friend, the Joe Budden of Texas Sports Podcasts, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Um, I am... I am Natalie Ambruglia levels of torn. Um, I am. I am so excited. It is the the re the season of, of rebirth. We are the leaves will soon changing, but football football is back. It's uh, students back on campuses at all levels. It's it's a beautiful season um, of life. Uh, but however, sadly, it is also. <sighs> A winter and a season of ending for some. My favorite player of any sport all time ever uh, to ever do anything athletically. Manu Ginobili, my uh, all-time favorite San Antonio Spur, officially announced his retirement. And while I thought it would be easier because I've had a long time to prepare and, and feel like you know it's just been gravy the past two years even that we got them and uh, got to go to a game last year in San Antonio where he hit not one. Uh, but two buzzer beaters, both at the second quarter and fourth quarter, to uh, bring the Spurs from behind to a head against the Boston Celtics, who were a pretty good team last year. Um, so, I mean, just always have that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, it's sad, man. It's, it, it, it was announced earlier today, and so it's been, a, it's been a busy day with work, thankfully, to distract me, but uh, some processing. It's, it's always sad when your heroes uh, hang up their cleats or, or, or they're, they're, in this case, basketball shoes. Uh, their sneaks, so um, you know, rocking the old school Spurs logo and and Manu uh, Manu's face T-shirt. So you know, I'll just I'll leave that for all the sadness. Everything else is going to be all sunshine pumping for the horns. How about you? You kind of brought the mood down there for a second. Like that's that's uh, I mean, it's it's growing up watching Ginobili. I it's it's hard to see him go, but as as the song says, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. So we've we've got to we've got to move on. Uh, but we've got some some football news for you. We'll obviously break down uh, the matchup against the Maryland Terrapins, and then we'll have some non-football news for you at the end of the show before we close it out like we do every week with some bang the drum. So a little bit of news this week. So Texas named its captains for the season. You have five captains named. 
named this year. Andrew Beck, Elijah Rodriguez are representing the offense, while Breck Hager, Chris Nelson, and Anthony Wheeler are all representing on the defensive side of the ball. Something cool happened before they even told the coaches. After two rounds of voting, Tom Herman personally called the parent and or guardian of each of the players that were elected to inform them. There's a really cool video out there on the Texas Sports Twitter page. But, Kyle, it's interesting to see some trends with this group, you know, Herman took the top vote getters and made his leadership council out of that. Uh, kind of the most respected guys, again, all seniors, unlike last year, uh, all seniors, uh, Nelson and Rodriguez already graduated. Actually, um, another cool fact, Britt and Brecken Hager become just the third father son pair of captains in school history, which is just incredible. And Andrew Beck has been named a team captain for a second year in a row. So Kyle, what, what does this tell you about, Kind of the different shade of team that we're looking at in 2018 versus what we what we saw a year ago in 2017. Well, I think we talked about it um, off the air last week before this was announced, and we we kind of were thinking, do we do we give that as part of our season prediction to predict who we think they might be? And a lot of these guys were in that conversation for sure, um, but there were some interesting guys we thought might have a chance at that: Gerard Hurd, uh, Chris Boyd. Um, but it's kind of interesting that that this is a uh, I'll say this is a pretty beefy uh, bevy of of captains um you know you have uh lineman and elijah rodriguez a, an enormous human being and chris nelson um you know anthony wheeler who you would not want to get caught in a dark alley with or, or an would. action hero yeah exactly you would if he's on your team um and, and and breck hager who you know oddly might be the smallest of the bunch uh, andrew beck you know not a small dude so this this reinforces herman's ideal and and it hasn't been our strong suit, at least on the offensive side of the ball, but that, you know, the game is won in the trenches. It's the big, the big boys, the hog mollies who actually, uh, who actually make or break a team. So I like that there's, there's, you know, we're Texas, here's the beef. Um, so, you know, it, <laughs> and truly a guy who I don't think you or I thought of. And, and it sounded like, you know, from what Herman said that he was a little surprised by it too, but Chris Nelson being the, being the leading vote getter out of everyone. Um, and, and Herman said, you know, a guy doesn't say a, a whole lot in front of the coaches, um, it's obvious he's leading off the field and in the locker room. So, I mean, a, a guy who he's not super loud, but has the respect of all his teammates. And, and hopefully that translates to, you know, just being an anchor and leader on that defense and, and filling a um, not necessarily enormous by defensive lineman stand, standpoints, but uh, by by heart sized um, enormous Puna Puna Ford gap. So. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm elated to see it. Um, I think. This team has a lot of leaders because there's guys we talked about who could fit in this who didn't, and that's a good thing. This is not a young team, so we're not going to use that as an excuse, even though we might be playing some some freshmen this year. This is not a young team. This is a team with a lot of experience and even a second year of experience with this coaching staff. So hopefully these seniors will help lead that to uh, to translating to victories. And you said something in, in there that this isn't a young team, and this is, this is crazy that this is a stat that we actually have to talk about. I think it's for the first time in the – Years that I feel like we've we've seen recently, nineteen of twenty two of the of the projected starters on the on the uh, on the depth chart are upperclassmen. The only you know lower classmen you see that are in a starting position at this point are you've got Ellinger at quarterback, you got Kerstetter who's listed as an or with Samuel Cosme who is a freshman. We'll talk a bit more about that in just a little bit. And then defensively, you've got one guy. You've got. Oh, C. Stearns from from the low Texas, um, our boy. <laughs> but it's it's a team that's now dominated by upperclassmen. And um, 
Tom Herman said it in his presser that college football more than anything is a game of physical development and experience because if you've got a guy who's 22 years old, grown man with a beard, facing facing off against a kid who's six months removed from renting the tux at Men's Warehouse for a prom, there there's a, there's a significant difference there. And so I think guys like you mentioned Anthony Wheeler, who is not just a grown A man, but is a three-year letterman who has biceps the size of Dwight Howard's shoulders. It's just it, it's it's crazy to think about the the physical development you've seen in these guys and you know these are guys that a year ago people were saying weren't 100% bought into Tom Herman and guys that weren't 100% bought into the system and now these are guys where where Herman said he had they had to do two rounds of voting to determine who were the captains because so many of these senior guys stood out and now he has a leadership council of 15 people uh based upon this this captainship voting so i think it's incredible that Finally, it feels like the upperclassmen are taking uh, taking the bull by the horns, for lack of a better metaphor that's not too on the nose. But the upperclassmen are finally taking the lead in 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 these classes, and I think it's just going to show on the field uh, the experience that's there. And I think it's so exciting because we talked about how good this freshman class is, and, and again, you saw it with Stearns, the best safety in the country good enough to get on the field day one you know how great it is when you only have one of those guys and how every play if something doesn't happen you've got 40 to 60 combined starts coming your way being like no no come on man you need to do this where were you on that think about this call like it's not four dudes out there looking at each other like we're all really talented but we're out of our depth like that one guy is going to improve so much quicker in that environment and it's it's really going to just rise these true freshmen I know it sounds paradoxical but these true freshmen who get to play are going to play better because they don't have to play and if they're a true freshman playing it's not out of necessity it's because they beat a guy like that's I think that's the other thing and we'll talk more about that when we get into the preview Uh, speaking of guys getting beat out unfortunately Texas had a couple more pieces of attrition Uh, Davion Curtis a guy who um was projected to maybe step up in, in some, some spots has elected to transfer to Tyler junior college. And then Andrew Fitzgerald um, has left the team. He's going to stay at the university, uh, fulfilling his student obligations as part of student athletes. So there was some scuttlebutt on Twitter about the team falling apart, losing guys, blah, blah, blah. Some of that can be attributed to, um, unnamed Aggie, uh, trolls. We'll just yeah. throw that out there, making fake accounts, whatever. It's fine. Um, but, this attrition, it, this is kind of a natural thing of when the rising tide raises all ships, there are just going to be some ships that can't take it at the new altitude. Yeah, I agree. And, and Fitzgerald was a guy who, that defensive line, I mean, I think we talked in our preview, like, uh, there's a lot at the top, and then it, it, there's kind of, we worry about depth. But even with that, he was kind of at the bottom of that depth. There was guys who'd stepped ahead of him who might make that step up and really judging on this. Um probably were starting to make that step up. So there was talk that he was being potentially asked to move to a different position like tight end. Um, And so, I mean, he had to make a tough choice. And if football is a passion and a thing that got you to the university, but it's not the passion or the thing you have to do, it's a grind. It's grueling. Um, And if if it's something you can live without and and not seeing the field makes that easier, then I think that's the right decision. But I do want to go back just real quick to your Aggies comment. And we're going to go ahead and patent on here. Those are Agskies. Um, the uh, the Russian Russian Aggie bots are, are we're going to call them Agskis. So uh, everyone on, on Longhorn uh, Twitterverse, feel free to use that. Agskis, you heard it here first, a Longhorn Republic exclusive. So we are four days from kickoff. We have we have four days, Kyle, and I'm I'm 
I don't know if I've been more excited about a kickoff uh, since maybe the second Rose Bowl year. So maybe 2004-2005 season. Uh, so Texas is heading to Landover, Maryland, the home of Kyle's probably favorite NFL team, the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not sure if I'm speaking for you there or not, but they're playing in FedEx Field against the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, Texas comes in ranked 23rd in the AP, 21st in the coaches' poll. Um, a lot of controversy had, had happening right now at Maryland. Uh, head coach DJ Durkin has been placed on administrative leave while the university is investigating uh, some toxic cultural issues that have been exposed. Uh, unfortunately, a player passed away after a um, after you know kind of losing consciousness at the end of a conditioning workout that brought to light some things where coaches maybe weren't more concerned with a player's well-being than they were with their performance and some hazing and bullying type things beyond what is normally expected out of a football training camp. We're not here to talk about that, but that does uh, give some context to what's happening on the field. Uh, So Matt Canada is serving as the interim head coach uh, for this game and for the foreseeable future until they figure out what's going on at Maryland. Uh, We all know what happened last year. Fans were excited. Deshaun Elliott intercepted a pass on the first drive, returned it for a touchdown, fans are riding high, and then the balloon popped very quickly in Texas. Kind of walked away with an embarrassing loss. So, Kyle, expectations are at a high. We'll talk a little bit more about that and bang the drum. But what, just heading into Maryland, what are your expectations for Texas going on the road, playing in a pro stadium, uh, to kick off the 2018 season? Um, well, I think it's... I think it's uh... I think it's a good chance for all these guys who are seniors, who are upperclassmen, to really start and uh, play in that NFL stadium and, and get themselves there on Sunday. You know, um, this is a wrong that has lived in the minds of of Longhorn players for 360. What are we at? Two days now, or 61 days? Like this is a thing that shouldn't have happened last year. It was the you know the lowest point that Orlando's defense played at the entire season. I think simplifying schemes for the first game of the year with some young players last year had to happen. There were some tweaks, whatever, whatever. Everything went up from there on that side of the ball. Um, you know, the offense clicked, actually, in the Maryland game looked good and, and had some injuries and had some regression in certain areas, so they kind of switched in that way. But uh, it shouldn't have happened. They were they were the better team last year and were, were outplayed and, and potentially outcoached, you know, to put blame where, 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 where it deserves. But, uh, but I think they come in a heavy favorite this time, even though they're on the road, which is a weird thing. But, uh, you know, all of the things going on with the Maryland program probably – give uh, an excuse but even if you remove that out I think Texas is the favorite team with all of the returning talent um Maryland is now the team with question marks I mean beyond just Matt Canada coaching his first ever um game he, he's the the offensive coordinator he's going to call the plays and he's a he's a former Bryles award winner he's a great coach um you know there is talent on this Maryland team and we talked about it in our preview this is a good team um it's a you know, Big Ten at level team. It's it's not a bad team. Texas shouldn't overlook them. But I think Texas. It's, it reminds me of that scene from Little Giants when the day before the game, the kids go to bed and they they pan down the camera and they're sleeping in their cleats. You know, I think Texas has to be so excited to get the cleats on. The the one and zero chant last year was an embarrassment all off season when they went zero and one and they knew they shouldn't have. They've been doing it again. One and zero, one and zero. That's what they're saying. One game at a time. One and zero. And I think this year, because of what happened in Tom Herman's first game, I think it has to be even more poignant that 
one and zero. They have to start. They have to come out. They have to make the big play right at the beginning, and then continue to make those plays for four quarters. And I just think you're going to see a hungry, hungry, motivated uh, UT uh, Longhorn team that goes out there and, and just gets gets the job done. I think the difference this year to last year is, and Herman hit it a lot in in his press conference Monday morning. Is this team has seen more stability than any team has in four to five years. So yep. last year for the kickoff, it was their third head coach in four seasons. They had had four ADs in four years, basically uh, two university presidents. They had a three year stretch of 10 assistant coaches. So this is the first time in five years that the, the offense is going to have the same offense two years in a row. So I think, and, and again, Herman said it like, at some point, they have to stop learning the offense and have to start executing on the offense. And I think that happens in year two because I don't have to learn new terminology. I don't have to learn new plays. I don't have to learn new assignments. I don't have to learn new schemes. I know it because it's been a full two, basically two and a half seasons because I've had, or I guess, an off season, a season, and another off season. So I've got a good set of time where I know the scheme and I know this process. So. I can now go out there and execute, which I think is is going to be a big difference. Um, now, obviously, you don't want to look past Maryland. They've got a ton of talent. Um, yeah, Kasim Hill is probably going to be the starter, who is just a absolute dynamic playmaker, especially in a zone read uh, situation. Uh, Ty Johnson is a scary running back, especially with Kasim Hill and, and Old Piggy, as they called him in our Maryland preview. Uh so it's a it's an offense that can move the ball, and uh, you know you can say what you want about Matt Canada getting the Geis effect a year ago, but um, you know it's an offense that's going to move the ball, and and Texas has I don't want to say questions, but it's an unproven front seven, which I think is going to be a big deal uh, playing against a team that's going to move the ball and going to uh, change their sets and those types of things. Absolutely, and and that's a a, a great point. Texas does have. Um, depth and experience, but the, the front seven is kind of the most susceptible. Maryland offense has experience too. They bring back nine starters, though they did lose their best player, DJ Moore, um, who toasted us last year, but they, they bring back nine starters and all five of the offensive linemen. And there's two NFL guys who potentially, if Maryland didn't have such a terrible year last year, may be playing on Sundays right now in Derwin Gray and, and, and Damian Prince. So um, Ty Johnson, just for the record, has 2,129 career yards, probably more than every Longhorn on the roster uh, times two. Um, and he's done that at a absolutely blistering. I confirmed this on three different sites because I didn't believe it. 7.5 yards per carry for his career. Like, that's that's Jamar Charles at his prime. I mean, I'm not saying he is that player, but clearly he is a game-breaker, and he will go big. Um, Kasim Hill really was incredible last year um, before he got hurt. So so Pig Rome got hurt. Kasim Hill got hurt. Um, really, we, we talked in our, our first preview when we talked to, uh, to Studio Times editor Jared Goldstein. We had um, – we had – or they had, excuse me um, – they had these quarterbacks go down like, you know, like a worse year Texas, you know, offensive line just couldn't keep them standing. Um, Kasim Hill was something like 18 for 20 or t- 21 for 24 in his first uh, collegiate throws, like just lighting the field up and then goes down. So he'll probably come in right away and then they'll have a swoops like guy like a piggy who uh, who's a big 
threat who can run, who can throw a little, can bring different looks, different packages, and you know they're going to use them. Texas has shown an inability to stop a kind of triple option RPO uh, offense like we saw it with Kansas State last year. We saw it, obviously, the way they torched the defense uh, last year uh, in the opener. So, I mean, this will be a, a clear sign of where Orlando and this defense really are going to be this year with how they can stop something, mobile quarterbacks. That's been a, an Achilles heel for Texas for what feels like uh, millennia. I don't know, but... Um, but yeah, so it's going to be very interesting. Matt Canada, you kind of know what you're going to get with him. You're going to get a, a ton of motion, pre-snap motion, uh, misdirections all over the place, tons of alignments, tons of looks, kind of jet sweeps, getting the ball in different hands. Um, it's going to be an interesting interesting test for the Longhorn defense. Um, however, I do think this will be a good chance for the Longhorn offense to click, for that offensive line to maybe bully some people because I think they are, talent-wise, the better unit from Maryland's defensive line. Um, and, you know, we haven't even talked about it yet, but big news the the starting quarterback uh, will get a chance to go out there and, and hopefully print his brand of what Texas football is in, you know, young, not so young, because he's a year removed from being the youngest, Sam Ellinger. Ellinger has that vocal leadership thing that I think a lot of us really want. Now, um, you can say what you want about some decision-making a year ago. We've said it before, we'll say it again. We're not accusing anybody of anything, but I think he was not all there on one of those plays. So I think, one, we'll, we'll backtrack a little bit. You talked about Maryland's offensive line. I think that still scares me a little bit, because... Across the front three, outside of outside of Chuck Amenahu, Texas is a bit undersized. You know, a six-two nose tackle. Granted, we saw what Puna was able to do a year ago. Can't <laughs> can't can't fault the guy for that. Looking like he's going to um, possibly be playing on Sundays. Uh, and then Breck Hager should be. He was a guy who he was a tweener a year ago. He was a, he was a backup linebacker mm-hmm. who they found a niche for him as a crazy high motor pass rusher guy. So I think. Um, that's a bit undersized. So if they get lost in the trees against amongst the offensive line, that could spell some some uh, some disaster there. But I think they have the advantage of I I'm not going to say this, but it's a thought that I've had that I don't know if there's a better set of three linebackers talent wise in the country other than Malcolm Roach, Anthony Wheeler, and Gary Johnson. I think talent wise, those three guys can do it all. I mean. We saw what, what Wheeler and Johnson can do in the bowl game. We saw that those guys can fly mm-hmm. around the ball and make big plays. There wasn't a significant drop-off from Malik, who is a guy who is a heck of an athlete and, again, is about to play on Sundays, made himself a little bit of money. Uh, but you can't you can't turn up your nose at Malcolm Roach because he's, he's a 6'3", 270 guy who can play inside and outside at linebacker. Uh, and he's super smart. His dad's a coach. He's a, he's more of a vocal leader than than most people expect. And so, um, I think that right there is, is an incredible uh, unit to keep an eye on. And and you you know you mentioned the quarterback situation. Um, I am as much as you and I are are probably Team Bush. I think it's safe to say that based upon last week's analysis that was proved proven wrong a few hours after the podcast went live. But um, <laughs> You know, the the quarterback situation this year feels different than it did a year ago. Because a year ago, going into the game, it's it's who's the least likely to lose us this game? With with the offensive line situation, who is the least likely to make a boneheaded mistake or to get, you know, to get sacked for a loss? Who's who's the guy that's going to put us in the best position not to lose? 
And I feel like the decision that was made this offseason shifted a bit. And now it's who's the guy that's going to win us the game. And Herman said in his presser today, it wasn't like, oh, it was an easy decision. Um, it wasn't, you know, who who is, or, but it, it wasn't Sam's uh, job to lose, even though some analysts, me included, feel like it may have been. That's fine. Um, but he said it himself. Shane made it a really hard decision. It's the hardest decision I've ever had to make as a coach and coordinator. If you think back about what decisions Tom Herman had to make as an offensive coordinator, he had three of the most talented quarterbacks Ohio State has ever seen. One of them should have been in burnt orange, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, (laughs) JT Barrett, come on with it. Uh, So that to me speaks volumes because Herman's not the blow smoke up your skirt guy. He's not the guy that's just going to say that to make Shane Bouchelle feel better and possibly not transfer. He's just saying that because that's how he feels. Here's what I say, uh, what I'll say. And I think last week we talked about it, and maybe I hedged my bets. Uh, maybe I'm a little more 51-49 than you were, just right on the fence for these. But I truly still think, even though Sam is the starting quarterback, that whether by injury or performance, we, we're probably going to see both of these guys um, take snaps. And I hope it's not. I hope it's not a revolving door, but I just think, you know, this is the quarterback position averaged 13 and a half carries per game last year. Uh, they're going to be used. I'm not saying they're going to get knocked out of games and get dinged up, but you might have a series where, you know, you're just, your hand gets dinged, you get a little stinger, you got a little, you know, take a second, get a little ice before you're back out there, whatever it is, you're going to see Michelle, you know, play, play, you know, snaps. It's going to happen. Um, I think for, for Ellinger to keep that from happening more, he has to be more accurate in his base passing uh, offense and really just kind of get that quick distributor role um, that, you know, I think he has the weapons to go use him. I think last year we saw an 18-year-old kid hero balling and extending every play, you know, being the guy who, who like you said, how do you how do you not lose in the situation that you're in or make it less likely to lose? Um, and if he does that, then I think this can be his job. This can be his job all year. It can be his job next year. You know, he he has a body type that fits. I think what Herman likes to do. He can he can take some take some hits and keep going, and he he can bring the the hit as you ask that that Kansas State uh, defender if he's off the 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 turf. He may be buried underneath it at, at uh, DKR, but uh, but yeah, you know he he can lay the wood a little, and so I think Herman likes that. It's like I said, it's it's a part of the offense is that the quarterback gets out there and gets gets his hands dirty, gets his jersey dirty for sure. Um, Hopefully Sam has learned a little bit and he's going to be sliding some more this year because uh, you don't have to take every hit. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think that tells me because what we said again to go back to the preview is that um, if if Ellinger is getting the start, that uh, that means that they're still a little bit worried about the offensive line because of what that skill set means. Or um, I think something we didn't talk about is just that Bouchelle maybe has never gotten 100% of that arm strength back and the type of quarterback he was before injuries. Um, he's had to adapt, and I don't know. So we haven't got to see that enough to, to really truly know. One thing that I did love that Herman said, and, and like you said, he's not a he's not a blow smoke guy. Um, so I really truly, with every fiber of my existence, am hoping that this comes to light. But he said he thinks the, the starting five on the offensive line are playing at a level that we haven't seen around here in a while we've got to continue to get better with a few key guys and and their broken shoelace or helmet popped uh or a sprained ankle away from getting in which i think is exactly what we kind of previewed on this on this podcast last week that the five that are there can be a, a very functional unit can maybe even be really good um what's after that is is an unknown and and so i think i think you know 
Herman has some confidence. He has some faith. Um, I think, you know, maybe he has sees more in Ellinger, as we said. He doesn't have to be de- defined by that. Maybe this can be a whole new quarterback that we haven't seen because that line works and he gets a little more time. And we say, wow, he really can do this, 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 you know. Um, I think it's very curious. Obviously, that's the most intriguing thing. It's Texas. You're the quarterback. We're going to talk about you. We'll probably spend hours and hours more on this. Uh, on this. But the one thing I will say to bring it all back is the strengths are going up against the strengths. Texas's offense, or excuse me, Texas's defense will be going against Maryland's offense. I think just to, from a talent wise, the Texas has more stars on their recruiting. They have more, you know, experience. They have more whatever. I think Texas just if you're going head to head. Strengths against strengths, weakness against weakness, weakness. Texas comes out ahead. So in the same way, if Texas' offense is their weakness and Maryland's defense clearly looks to be their de- their their weakness, then I think both of those lead to and portend to something good for this Longhorns offense come Saturday or Longhorn team, excuse me, come Saturday. And you said something in there that there were two things that that Ellinger could have done to beat out Bouchelle. And I think there's a third thing that you didn't mention, and we have said beyond ad nauseum at this point um, that Bouchelle is the more polished passer. That Bouchelle is the more polished passer. He's the more accurate passer. And if Ellinger beat him out, then it is all at all possible that the arms are comparable at this point, at least in what they need to do for this game. Now, I think Bouchelle is always going to have a more accurate long ball just because that's who he is as a passer. But in the intermediate game and then the short game, which is really what this offense is going to do, they're just going to dump it off to little Jordan Humphrey over the middle and let him be taller and faster than a linebacker. Uh, that that it's comparable. I think that's that's the third option is that Ellinger has caught up to maybe it's the speed of the right. game as a passer, maybe it's the ability to hit that that seven yard out without it getting pick sixed. You know, there's there's a couple of things there that could have happened where maybe he caught up in to Bouchelle in the passing game in all the areas that are important for this offense. Uh, and I think it's it's unfair to judge him based on last year's performance because the offensive line was so admittedly bad. It just was. It is what it is, you know, and there there are no two ways around that. Herman has said it in, in, in the press conference, and everybody has said it ad nauseum at this point where the offensive line was paper thin last year. It was injuries, and it was, you know, just lack of depth and bad recruiting years, and there's just a lot to it. Um, but, yeah, I think there is a lot, a lot, a lot of talent across that front five where Calvin Anderson is a guy with NFL prospects and NFL size. Like, he's 6'5", 300-pound tackle. That he's got an NFL body. You know, you've got Vahe who maybe doesn't have as quite of an NFL pedigree, but there's a reason why that guy has been a three year starter. There's a reason. Thirty one starts is nothing to sneeze at. And you look at even even those are the two probably biggest names or most known names to just any fan that on, on the offense, um, because they've had big off seasons in Anderson's case and, and kind of the, the buzz about him coming in and then Vahe just being an ever present. But I think it's I think it's um, it should be noted that one of the captains is another guy in that offensive line, and Elijah Rodriguez, and truly Shackelford, who's a guy who we talked about in our in our preview a little bit, had injury issues and never really got the chance to develop and be healthy. Kind of got thrust in quickly. He's grown up real quick, real fast. You have another leader there on the line who's going to be playing. Um, you know, and 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 then you have kind of a, a young pup, and it looks like probably Cosme potentially uh, curse setter. I think if I think as the depth chart came out, there was an or the all uh, listed or. there. Which is which is uh, wonderful and frightening at the same time for for a player, I'm sure. But uh, but yeah, um, I think either of those guys, obviously one being being um, 
they're, they're the same age, I believe, right? One's a redshirt, one yeah, one's a redshirt, red one is a freshman, one's a true sophomore, and one's a sophomore. Yeah, so um, both young guys, but both you know, um, I think talented. Both very good. Cosme was kind of the talk of this off season. It seemed like everyone who saw him just glowed and raved about him. But if it is Kerstetter who gets the start, then he beat him out and he made some steps. But I think what might happen is Cosme starts and Kerstetter uh, kind of joins Elijah Rodriguez in that can play inside and or outside and play anywhere on the line and, and give us some more depth, which is which is a good thing. But, you know, really four out of those five guys, no, no matter how it, how it breaks, are going to be guys with a lot of experience. And that's great. That's great for young quarterbacks. That's great, um, you know, for getting the running game going for for guys who probably just need to feel a little confidence out there uh, in burn orange doing it successfully, you know, as they had their whole careers leading up to that. You know, I I think um, having that experience, like we talked about on the defense, I think isn't just for that unit. I think it percolates and permeates around to to kind of make everyone else better. But we did kind of talk a little bit about depth chart. What's your favorite uh, either or your favorite surprise that came out? Uh, when the depth chart was released, uh, I think my my favorite or is weirdly the number two spot for the uh, the H back the uh, the inside receiver because you obviously have Lil Jordan Humphrey as your as your starting inside receiver. Everybody knew that, um, but then you've got two true freshmen again, Deshaun Jameson and and Joshua Moore as listed as your ors for that spot, and I think. Uh, it just speaks again volumes to those guys that a guy who has been called the best player on the team, Lil Jordan Humphrey, that they are right behind him on the depth chart. Now, obviously, Lil Jordan Humphrey is the do everything guy. Herman called him out on several occasions, but he also called those two guys out by name in the depth chart. He he said, you know, Joshua Moore is a uh, is a very fluid receiver with great ball skills. He was also in in high talks as a return man, uh, which. I love seeing that. Um, and then Deshaun Jameson's just a dude. Like, there's no two ways around it. He's he's just a dude. He's not a big dude, but he's just a dude that can get it done. You know, he's he's more of your prototypical slot guy, 5'10". You know, he's listed at 180, which means he's probably 176, 175-ish. Um, but he's just a dude. And so, guys out of Lamar tend, <laughs> tend to be that. But, um yes. So I think that's that's a really cool or you know one of the surprising things, and I think the other thing weirdly enough is the the kicker situation, um, where you've got Dicker, who's you know at hometown kid like Travis, number four kicker in the country, uh, one of the first commits in that class, and then Josh Rowland, who you know what, bless him, he was great in spots. And the, those spots weren't 30 to 40 yards. Um, but, it, you know, that that or was specifically discussed where he is going to basically it's not going to be a trot a guy out for a situation. It's whoever's better in practice this week is going to be the kicker. Uh, so those two are some things that I'm, I'm going to watch. Um, Jameson is again listed on the kick return spot and the punt return spot. So I think that there's just some really interesting things that are going to happen this year as far as guys contributing in a lot of areas. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm obviously pulling for Dicker the kicker, no pressure, guys, but probably the two best special team players in the NFL um, are uh, are Longhorns, and we might just have the best kicker, best punter for the next, like, seven years um, or whenever Tucker – kickers go for a lot. I'll say next ten years. Um, you know, so 
that's awesome. No pressure. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm going to take the low hanging fruit. The one that just jumped out at me um, was listed as Daniel Young or or Trey Watson, and, and I told you I have. You know, we had kind of a mock prop bet about who would take the first carry. Uh, it puts a little bit more uh, question mark on on that. I still think Daniel Young gets the. I, I still think Daniel Young gets the start. I stick by my guns. Um, gets that first carry, but but how many and how quickly Trey Watson uh, soaks those up? And, and again, we've talked about Keontae Ingram uh, many times, who's also listed on that depth chart there, but. Um, I think Watson getting the or the bump from two to one, and he's basically, as he's gotten healthy this offseason, just slid up that depth chart. Uh, speaks volumes about what the coaches think about his talent level. Um, and I'm also going to cheat and say my favorite thing about the depth chart was not actually on the depth chart, but in Herman's presser when he called uh, my favorite player in the Longhorns, longtime self-professed, but prove me wrong, Caden Stearns. Prove me wrong day one. Uh, but right now, little Jordan Humphrey, uh, he called him not only a Swiss Army knife, but said, you know, he can line up as a running back he also you know said wing tight end uh slot outside receiver and quarterback Hmm, thinking emoji i wonder what uh what what that offense could have up their sleeve with a guy like gerard hurd who can play a lot of those positions you have a little jordan humphrey who as i noted rushed for two touchdowns in the spring game caught passes all over the field like this could be. This could make for some pretty interesting developments. A pretty fun offense. You saw uh, what it, what Herman could do with with guys at at uh, Ohio State who were quarterbacks who um, could also play some receiver uh, or or vice versa. Um, so I think you know it could be really interesting. It, it just adds another wrinkle um, when you have you know basically a fullback at quarterback who sounds like he can really throw in Ellinger, and that's not meant in a pejorative sense. The man is just he's got. He's trying to be the next Earl Thomas with them, them trunks he's got, and he has a he had as a it's maybe an obscure reference unless you watch the World Cup, but Belgium uh, soccer superstar Eden Hazard. People ask me how he's so <laughs> good, cuts. and I just say, well, I just say they're like, how is he so good? And I say he has an enormous butt. He has the 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 derriere of a man seventy pounds more his his heft, um, and you can't get you can't get the ball off of him. And in the same way, uh, Ellinger and his center might look pretty identical, and I mean that in the most complimentary of senses. Um, so that is all to say, you got some guys who could play. Uh, this is why we video chat. It's, we don't release this to the public, but I'm just watching Gerald like uh, full head, 180 degrees back in laughter. I love it. Try I, to try to be professional. I, I just, I, <laughs> you know, you, you hear the, the joke. He's strong as at least two men. You just said that he's got the butt of at least two men is what you just said about a player. Like that's the analysis you come to this podcast for guys. That's right. You're getting the good. And I will say this: I went to I went to Kentucky Derby, you know, or excuse me, I went to um, the 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 grounds of the Kentucky Derby's run um, in Louisville. I didn't go to the Derby, but I was in Louisville uh, earlier this year, and I went to one of their night racing. And I've only been to one one horse race in my life, um, and that was it. And so I, I'm a novice, and I go out and bet. And I, I'm not saying you know I'm the best prognosticator of of, of these things of all time. We're a family um, but podcast. I, I did you win. Can't say that here. Right, of course, it's it's legal in 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 that. It's the only reason I do it. I don't condone illegal betting, of course. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I I think I got three of my first four or four of my first five, maybe even three out of my first four, and I, I stopped at that point. Uh, I won money on them, and you know what I used to pick those horses? Who had the biggest butt? Come on, it's easy, it's easy. Kyle, Kyle is first. the Sir Mix-a-Lot of horse racing, is what we are going to say here. Uh, and football prognosticating. It, uh, it, it all ties in. I love it. I love it. But I think the, the, the biggest thing, just to kind of land the plane, is 
what what attitude does Texas bring to the table on on Saturday? Because I think um, they can get caught up in the lights of this is an NFL stadium, this is an NFL spot. I think it's a big win for Texas that it's not on Maryland's campus. Uh, the the Maryland uh, writers that we had and spoke to are still pretty salty about that, but that's okay. Um, so. You know, but Herman has said they're adjusting their game week walkthrough where a lot of stuff on an away game, they do a lot of their family activities uh, at in Austin and then fly out, whereas they will be doing a lot of the family and team activities in the stadium to kind of get some of those jitters out early. But I think this is this is the quote. I, we're not we're not quoting him too much today, but he said this in the in the presser that it was kind of that. It's kind of that moment in the movie where the villain reveals their plan and it's a lot smarter than you were initially thinking. He said, this is a team in Maryland that they don't think they can beat you. They know they can beat you because they have. There are a lot of guys on that team at Maryland that know they beat Texas. And I think that that scares me because... It goes back to I'm a huge nerd. If you if you want to listen to a nerdy podcast, I do a podcast called Two Woke Nerds on uh, on Tuesday nights. You can check that out. But um, you go back to there's a quote from Iron Man Two, really obscure Iron Man quote, but it talks about um, if you if you make God bleed, then people cease to exist. In, uh, people believe in his existence, and I think it's kind of that same attitude where uh, in years past there there's that Texas mystique. Where it's like, ooh, it's Texas, you know. They're they're just gonna come and beat the beat the brakes off of us and, and go on. Um, and that's not who Texas is nowadays, and especially given last year with Maryland embarrassing them in Austin. So I think, what is the attitude of this team coming out on Saturday? I think that's that's the biggest X factor for me. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's that's perfect. I I, I don't have something that I can say that's better than that for sure. I think. How, I said at the beginning how hungry these guys are, like the, the sleeping with your cleats on. I, I think um, you will learn a lot about this football season, about this group of players, and, and about this coaching staff uh, in four days. I think from the first snap, I, I think this being in an NFL stadium, being away, it, it's going to even more exacerbate that this is going to feel I, – I have tons of friends in the D.C. area from the New York area coming down for this game – there's going to be a lot of burn orange in there, and there's going to be a lot of people. I'll be there myself. A lot of people who get a firsthand look at, at what Texas's season is going to look like, and I think you will know it within within a quarter. You know, it, it, it's a mentality thing, and it's exactly like just like what you said. Um, they have to come out. They have to bring the swagger back. They have to you know put the fear in some people. Like, come out. Why not? Come out and win forty-two to seven. Like, make people turn around and double-click the headline to see. Wow. Oh, Texas. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's that's a, you know that's something else to think about. Like, we'll talk about it a little in the bang the drum. But people, there's some people who are high on Texas, and that's not new. People want Texas to be back. It's good for college football. There's no reason, you know, just organically. If you look at pure facts, there's no reason that Texas shouldn't be good, being the big dog in the richest talent state with more money than um, Ross Perot and or God. You know, this is. Um, this is a team that it's run it's run its course on excuses. You know, it, it's now, and I think we're going to see that. I hope we're going to see that very early. So tune in. You know, uh, wear orange, be early. Uh, that whole piece of the the advice, the the, the very uh, evergreen advice that that Mac Brown. Happy birthday, by the way, Coach Mac Brown. Um, but the evergreen advice that uh, that Mac Brown gave us. Um, you know, get there early because I, I think you're going to see it. 
from the from the first snap, from the first kickoff, um, right away, where this team is mentally and and how that translates to how they how they perform the season. Awesome. So we will be live tweeting the game from our Twitter account. Uh, you can follow us at Longhorn Pod. It'll be a mix of Kyle or I, uh, depending on the uh, the level of sarcasm and how Texas is doing. You can probably easily tell which one is which as we tweet. Uh, but some non-football news before we go. Uh, so first thing, this is some incredible news. Um, Texas former Texas basketball player uh, Andrew Jones um, is a is officially enrolled at the university of Texas for the fall. Um, and we, we've avoided talking basketball about him until we've gotten to this point. Um, you know, there's some video out there on Twitter of him ringing the bell at the cancer center, um, saying that he, he has officially ended his treatment and is, is, uh, is on the, on the way up. So one that's incredible. Um, but he's enrolled with Texas at the fall. He's enrolled to Texas in the fall, and so we have to start asking the questions now. Is uh, is this spelling the return for Andrew Jones, and what uh, what does him being back, if and when he does come back, to the team mean for Texas in 2018 as far as the basketball team goes? I think one thing that listeners will not find even remotely surprising about us is, is I think I speak for both of us, I'm pretty sure I'm going to, is that a favorite movie shared by both of us is Rudy. Um the, the the story that you know I love it gets gets me worked up gets me excited it even gets brings me tear eyed sometimes I cannot wait to steal that feel good sports story from Notre Dame I can't wait until they make the they make the the story about Andrew Jones coming back beating cancer and averaging twenty two points a night this season um, I think there's a few steps to get there um, but I'm thinking ahead I I hope he just ramps right past, Hey, I'm back. Hey, I'm back on the team. Hey, I'm working out. I hope he jumps right past those. And he's like, Hey, I'm a better shooter now. somehow. Hey, I'm, I am so laser focused because literally nothing can knock me off my grind. I beat cancer. You think I can't beat you Kansas? Which is a great line. I hope he actually says that to them, but uh, you know, I, I cannot wait for him to do this and make the movie. Uh, and, and we all watch it every year. And, and maybe this date or his birthday, and we we think about the the incredible story. I'm hearing music, dramatic swelling music in the background right now. The incredible story of Andrew Jones and how he came back, and uh, and so if that doesn't happen, hey man, you already won. You already had the victory that we were all hoping for. Anything else at this point is just icing on the cake. But uh, I'm pulling for the best for him. So he seems like a guy that that basketball is one of those things that just that has kept him going. There were videos when he was you know going through treatments of. He is hooked up to machines and he's dribbling. And the first videos you saw of him after were him trying to play and, and shooting. And so I think um, basketball means a ton to him. And I think playing basketball at the University of Texas means a ton to him. He he has some unfinished business on the table. And again, if he never sees a basketball uh, court again in burnt orange you know what? He is already a Longhorn legend. He's already one of the guys that is going to go down um, in the annals of Texas history as one of the, one of the great stories. Um, 
but I would love to see the the comeback. I think that for me is just I'm an emotional guy. I, I sports stories get me choked up. Um, so I you will see a you will see a fat man weep if uh, if this happens and and um, he trots out there for for even for even one game. Like I'm just I'm going to lose my uh, my collective mind when it comes to that. Uh, so some Longhorns were in action this week. So uh, volleyball kicked off their season. I don't know if you can say kicked off for volleyball. Volleyball tipped off their season um, at the Vert Challenge in Lincoln, Nebraska. It was some top 25 matchups. So Friday they took on Oregon with a 3-1 win. And then uh, Florida, who is a perennial power uh, in the volleyball scene, number seven Florida, uh, took them on and beat them 3-2. Texas is ranked third in the nation coming out of that and then uh, Cole Hammer is a amateur he's a a freshman at the University of Texas I guess he's going to join Texas Um, he has joined Texas as a freshman on the golf team Um, he had kind of as of yeah I guess classes started Uh, so uh, he has closed a pretty pretty big summer so he won the Western Amateur and the US uh, four ball amateur championship Uh, he made the finals of the US junior amateur um, and got a medal there so uh, we've seen a lot of top tier golfers as young that we talked about Doug Gim a lot a year ago so uh, it's good to see Texas continuing the uh, to dominate the amateur ranks of golf yeah, and and you know we we're true to our word. We we uh, we bring the interaction back on the pod. So tweet at us, you know, email us, get in there. But a good friend of the pod, Stephen, uh, uh, actually sent me a message and said uh, he knows the family uh, in Houston and, and has has watched him grow up and, and and be a great golfer from the time he was young. And uh, and he actually um, said that he's he's equally as good a kid as he is a golfer so i'm excited to see that uh for a guy who's who's named like a um you know like a greek god or i don't know cole hammer some kind of maybe maybe a uh maybe a paul bunyan type american lore legend he could really think the world of himself a man named cole hammer um but he seems to have uh, his head on right and i'm excited for a another instant longhorn golf prodigy we've had a couple over the years so i'll be keeping a close eye all season on him so uh last bit of news before we jump into banging the drum a uh, 21st ranked texas soccer team opened its season three and one after uh a couple of i guess three oh and one really after wins over a&m corpus christi and rice they had a draw with number four unc which is really indicative of how good this team can be. Uh, and then they had a two, one win over uh, central Florida. So it's good to see so many sports in action. It's just, it, it, it feels like fall Kyle, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's pumpkin spice latte season. We're going to get out our, our big blanket scarves and <laughs> we're going to enjoy fall. It's going to be a good time. The dog days are over. I love it. So that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in college sports. One of our favorite traditions on the 40 acres, big Bertha and we bang the drum. So Kyle, what are you banging? the drum on this week oh man um the world was best when we were young everyone knows that and believes that when you're young certain things are just enshrined uh, in in your person, um, we've talked about our love for for the the video game and like football anywhere from like five to fourteen. R.I.P. Please come back. Um, one of my favorite things was there's two guys on there, uh, multiple guys on there, but but two guys on there. I'm going to talk about here who who are legends indelibly. No matter whatever happens, they're always right. Anything they say, come on, they're on the video game. They're on NCAA 14. One of those guys um, was Lee Corso, not so fast. Lee Corso, sunshine, uh, a man. <laughs> a man who 
has gotten, I would imagine, most listeners of this podcast and certainly both of these podcast hosts up earlier on a Saturday by choice than they had to or maybe should have um, to watch College Game Day and watch his uh, watch his, his picks. And, you know, sometimes he, he gets a little hokey and gets swayed by the home crowd when he puts the certain head on. I get it. But let's not forget, Lee Corso was the only one who picked Texas uh, in 05 to uh, to win as well. So the man has some prognostication to his game. Lee Corso, this year, um, mock him as you may and at your own peril, picked a certain burn orange Texas Longhorns to win the Big 12. Um, for what it's worth, he also picked Wisconsin to win the college football playoff and national title, but... Uh, I still think it's a uh, it's a it's an interesting pick. So just keep that one in in your back pocket. Also, um, former uh, running back and um, interesting human being Robert Smith, uh, NFL running back for the Minnesota Vikings, um, and uh, and now a a paid professional um, person who talks about sports for what that's worth. Um, he made his picks for the college football playoff. Pauses for dramatic effect. One of the four teams included in that list was your same University of Texas Longhorns. Um, I, I will I will leave that piece with no comment. Um, and finally, uh, our own Kirk Herbstreet, who um, continues to actually be a great guy. Um, I think he's like been at times the most prominent uh, of college football, you know, um, knowledgeable guys and TV guys, and he's such a you know, frustratingly handsome human being that he's easy to hate. It's easy to just be like, Kirk, get out of here. You don't know anything. But he, he honestly is a good one. Anyone who's worked with him will say that he's, he's a good guy. Um, and he does a lot of research and he, and he seems to know. And so he actually, he actually picked, um, Texas as one of his surprise teams for this season. His, uh, I believe, uh, hot prospects or, or something. I don't remember the exact word he used, but basically said, um, they were, they were one of his, his teams to, uh, to outperform expectation and basically be, be, um, a top team this season. So, um, I'm not saying that that carries any lick of weight or, or a single grain of salt, uh, or, or, you know, whatever hackneyed analogy you want to use this, this doesn't mean a darn thing, but it's kind of nice that as Gerald and I sat here and in, in our, week 51 of doing this podcast um, and have been saying for, you know, at least the past 20 or, or 30 of those that there's some kind of good feeling around this team. Maybe it could be something that, that we aren't crazy um, that other people are kind of seeing that there's some talent. Even if you just look at the roster, you just look at the schedule, you just look at the stats, you just look at the facts, you take the emotion of wanting this team to, to be good um, and to fulfill on promise that, just by plain fact, this is going to be a pretty good team. How good, again, is going to come down, like I said, mentality. But um, that's what I'm banging the drum for. A little spiciness in the picks. And so I don't think national titles should be your hopes, Longhorn fans, or college football playoffs. But, hey, how about we get back to uh, how about we get back to nine wins? I would call that a fantastic year. Now, one, nine wins would be a fantastic year. Two, we could be sitting in the same spot seven days from now, cursing the world and feeling like the sky is falling because Texas absolutely laid an egg. I don't think that happens, uh, but my I've been hurt before. We'll just say it like that. I've been hurt before, <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, so I'm banging the drum this week on um, Texas did something cool. One of my favorite things in 
college athletics is the surprise scholarship announcement. Those always get me. I said it before on this podcast. I'm an emotional guy. I, I am a bit of a crier. Uh, it's okay. Um, you know, that's, that's fine. Everybody has their, their different opinions about whether or not men should cry or whatever, but I'm, I'm a crier and it is what it is. And one of the things I really get emotional about is seeing people's hard work pay off. Um, seeing people who have gone out and given their all with zero reward on the line and honestly costing themselves quite a bit, getting what they deserve. Um, and I think that's the American dream. If I, if I could put a pretty fine point on it. Um, and so this week, the university of Texas did not one, not two, but three surprise scholarship announcements for senior players who have put in their work. Um, so Austin Alsup, Jamarcus Durst and Philip Moeller all were surprise announced scholarships at different events. Um, Durst was caught, brought on stage to talk about some volunteer charity work he had done as part of um, a, a summer outreach program. One of these guys, um, the director of his summer internship came in and talked about what a great guy he was and how we wanted to hire him and not let him go back to the University of Texas. Um, so they're, they're just... It's just cool to see uh, these types of things. And again, I, I'm going to come back to it a lot. This was a, a narrative a year ago where players weren't bought into Tom Herman. And he's doing the things that, one, get fans on your side, two, get players on your side. The reactions of the other players when these guys get scholarships and just, again, seeing the emotion on these young men faces who have worked their entire lives, seeing all of that hard work. I cannot overstate that this, this is 16 years of hard work paying off in a single instant. Um, so seeing that come to fruition and seeing guys get so excited. And again, it's it, to me, that's the American dream of you work your tail off and you go and you grind every day and you don't know if you're going to get the reward out of it, but you do it anyways because that's the kind of person you are. And then seeing it rewarded, that's just incredible to me. So I I say what you want about Tom Herman. Say what you want about his his abilities as a, a manager of other coaches and, and you can take all the shots at him. But when push comes to shove, he's a pretty stand-up guy and – and seeing him do things like this for these players and genuinely loving on these guys, uh, to me, speaks volumes of, of the kind of character he has. Yeah, the, the the talk is always that Herman's not a pure players coach, but, I mean, I don't know how you don't love him. Um, just all the stuff he's done, um, the, the family, like you talked about, the family day, the, the, the way he handled Dennis, the this stuff, the way even in the kind of Longhorn Network stuff they release when it's practices and mic'd up, the way he's over-hugging players. I mean, I know a lot was made about him kissing players. I love it, like... This is family for him. He's hard. He's the type of dad who's tough on you if you don't do what's expected. He might yell a little bit. He might get angry. He might really push you. But he loves these guys. This is family. And I am so excited and so proud uh, to root for uh, a coach like that um, and, to, and to watch him grow this program in that image of, of, of just pure family. And so um, – Good on you. Good on you, Tom Herman and, and Texas Longhorn football. So that's all we've got for you this week. Before we go, Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, and I'm at 
Kyle Carpenter. It's it's football season, so really football tweets are going to be heavy. Uh, of course, follow the show. We'll be live tweeting there uh, during the game. We do tweet uh, throughout the week, keeping up with the breaking news there as well. Um, so, so make sure you're following both places to get uh, my takes on one and a, and a good mix of Gerald and my takes on the other. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodridge. It's basically uh, tweets that make my wife roll her eyes and then Texas sports is really all I tweet. Uh, you can, again, shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. We'd love to, to have a conversation with you there. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in again this week. You can subscribe wherever you found this Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcast, Spotify. We'd love to have you. Thank you so much for listening and until next time hook them hook them and always pick the big butt